How's it going, Katanning? Welcome back to the Greatest City in the World podcast. Uh, it's been a little while since we've done a podcast episode, and for good reason. Obviously, it's been uh, pretty difficult in recent days to uh, get people together and um, do this kind of format of show. Uh, however, today I think is very, very important, have some great information for you, and something that I believe is uh, has the potential to be transformative for our community as we move forward. And so today I have Alex with me and Abby. Um, if you guys could just briefly introduce yourself, um, what you do, and how you arrived here today. So my name is Alex Jennings. I work for the Armstrong Indiana Clarion Drug and Alcohol Commission as a certified recovery specialist and a certified family recovery specialist. Uh, I work in two capacities at the Drug and Alcohol Commission. One is with the Warm Handoff Program at ACMH Hospital, and the, in the other capacity, I work as a Family Recovery Specialist with the Smart Choices Program. Okay, very good. Great, and I, my name's Abby Schlesinger. I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist. I'm a Chief of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry and Integrated Care at Western Behavioral Health, as well as Children's Hospital, and I'm here today because I've been working in the Catanning area for over 15 years with Children's Community Pediatrics. Awesome. Um, now, Alex, you said something uh, pretty important there, too. I want to make sure people understand, what is the Warm Handoff Program? Um, I, know, I know what it is, but I know it's fairly recent that that happened, and so can you explain a little bit more about what that means? Yes, I'd be happy to. So, the Warm Handoff Program is a program that we at the Drug and Alcohol Commission We've partnered with our three local hospitals in Armstrong, Indiana, and Clarion counties um, to assist patients whenever they present at the hospital, whether it's the emergency room or to one of the other medical floors, whenever they present with substance use-related concerns. Um, What I do, um, I'm also a person in long-term recovery myself from substance use, so I I go and I meet with these individuals, you know, talk to them, see, see what's going on, and see if they would like any assistance with um, accessing treatment. And what the, the warm handoff piece is, is we assist the hospital with placing them into a treatment facility. Yeah, and it's so incredibly important. I know when people are in that situation, uh, they're, if they're ready for help right then, they don't have 24 hours to wait, you know, 48 hours, sometimes two weeks to find a spot in a treatment facility. And so I I know what you guys are doing there is so incredibly important. So just want to thank you for that. Um, So I know that was one part of what you did. The other part was Smart Choices Program, which Abby, I know you're involved with as well. Can you explain a little bit what is the Smart Choices Program and, um, you know, how did how did it come about? Yeah. So uh, Smart Choices uh, has been uh, in existence since about 2013. Uh Uh, And uh, one of the reasons we're starting this version of it in Armstrong County is because that we've had a very strong relationship with uh, CCP in Armstrong County since the 90s, actually. Uh, You were talking about transformative programs earlier. I think CCP's behavioral health program really is transformative. There's no question about it. Really came about because in the early 90s, uh, the pediatricians and Armstrong County looked around and said it was really hard for people to access behavioral health care when kids started to develop concerns. And uh, since that time, really, it's been a leader in the nation in terms of providing care for kids. Smart Choices came out of the same concern that um, when kids start experimenting, using substances, that it's often not clear for families how to get help, when to get help, or what to do. And it was really the pediatricians that came to us as behavioral health providers and said, how can we do this better? How can we pick up concerns? And then what do we do next? So Smart Choices, uh, in 2013, we started screening uh, kids that are 11 above. 
Now, this is all of Western PA, not just Armstrong County. Yeah. And we screen thousands, tens of thousands of kids a month. And a certain percentage of those kids screen at risk for substance use. And uh, this part of Smart Choices is figuring out, well, what to do next once they screen at, at, uh, at risk? How do we help both the families and the kids? Okay. So what's that screening process look like? I mean, what, what all is involved with that? What data are they trying to collect that, that would make someone you know, score in an at-risk category? Right. Well, so I have a couple of things to say about screening. Uh Uh, One thing is that anybody that's ever gone to a primary care doctor has been screened, right? Just by walking in the door. Right. Um, And there are a large variety of screens we do for adolescents and kids. And in fact, in these times of COVID, we've been reminding people you need to come back to your pediatrician, right? Because uh, your pediatrician is really connected to your family and can really help sort of drive your family in the in the direction to help your kid do as well as they possibly can. And we ask very simple questions about uh, to the kid directly, to the adolescent alone without their parent in the room. Um, we actually have a form they fill out because we uh, people respond uh, more honestly to forms than to people face to face. Sure. I'm sure no one's surprised by that. No. Nope. <laughs> um, we just ask, uh, you know, have they used, what have they used, and some basic questions about whether they've ever gotten into some trouble or everybody's ever been concerned about substance. Okay. And I know um, you guys sent over some data beforehand. Um, you're saying studies show that substance abuse can start as young as 10 years old. And so, I mean, how important um, is the data indicating that this kind of early intervention type of program, like, how important is that? What are what are the different differing outcomes if we catch it early versus? Well, I'm going to back up a little bit and sure. talk a little bit more about. I think what the point you made about substance in young kids is really important. Yeah, we think a lot of people think that substance isn't a problem until a kid's 18, 19, 20, when the data shows that kids really form an idea in their head that they can take something that might change how they feel from a very young age. In fact, when I first started reading about this. Even though I'd been to medical school, I was sort of floored looking around at how many things on TV for toddlers suggest that you could take some mood-altering substance. Right? Yeah. Now, now you'll think it, too, when you see it. So it's really a parent's job at a young age to start talking about what people put in their body. Um, but many of us don't do that, right? We, we focus on sleeping and eating because we got a whole bunch of other things to take care of. And now safety related to COVID on top of it. So um, what we do know is that by the time a kid is 10, they've already formed ideas about substance. They've already formed some ideas about who they hang around. Both of those have huge impact. Mm -hmm. Um, And that despite the fact that teenagers really start hanging with peers more than parents, that still the number one determinant of whether a kid will have a problem with substance is the ability to talk to their parent about it. Oh, wow. Now, that's easier said than done, right? So that's where we come in. We want to help parents talk to their kids about substance. Yeah, when you say about, like, how TV shows reinforce, I think of, like, there's a lot of shows that are made for families, and, you know, the, the mom has a stressed-out day, and she comes home and says, oh, I really need a glass of wine. And, like, even from something as simple as that, it's a trigger that's saying, hey, if you use X, then it will make you feel better or help you get through stress or help you, like, or is that the kind of stuff you're talking about? That's exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. Drugs and alcohol are part of our culture. It's not just in a in a corner somewhere hidden, right? right. It's everywhere. And in fact, we've even seen this with COVID. Um, people coming out talking about how you need a glass of wine um, after you try to teach your kids, right? I've, I've seen yep. many memes um, about that. Absolutely. <laughs> so it really requires that we talk openly about how what we put in our body and why we put it in our body. Yeah. Okay, so with these screenings, I mean, what what percentage of kids are you seeing that are like 
that are screening at risk or I, I just I'm trying to just understand more how does all that well, so that's uh, relate a to Armstrong County. Great question. So and it's interestingly it's it's lower than you'd expect that screen Sorry about that. Um, actually, it's lower than you'd expect, and it's lower than 10% so okay. screen, screen at risk. But we also know that we're missing some kids because they may not tell you the truth, right? Sure. So this is another reason why the parent part is so important here. The real shift in what we're doing here um, compared to what's been done in the past is we want to provide support for the parent if the parent says something's happened and I'm concerned about it. Mm-hmm. Because up until this point, if a parent says, I found a vape, and they go in to their pediatrician, they'll give them some advice, but then the parent can't access anything unless the child wants help, right? Sure. And sometimes the kids aren't ready for that yet. <laughs> Anybody yeah. that's had a teen has experienced that, right? Yeah. But we know there are evidence-based ways to help parents help kids. So this service, what it really provides that nothing else provides is a connection to your pediatric office and then a parent with lived experience to help your parent move the kid towards um, sort of better choices. Okay. That's really good. I mean, and then, I mean, I know we say 10, less than 10% is not a huge number, but 10% is still hundreds of mm-hmm. hundreds of kids. And if you can, if you can even help half of those not to develop something more serious later on, that's a, that's a huge, uh, huge impact. Uh, was there something about Armstrong County that made it like attractive to bring smart choices here? Like, was there any, any specific reason that you guys wanted to start this in Armstrong? I'm going to take this for two reasons. Sure. Uh, one is that I want to thank Alex and his organization. So, yeah. Um, we've had we had a number of people in Armstrong County that we had either relationships with, or that were really interested in figuring out how to sort of tackle the opioid epidemic before kids get into trouble. And mm-hmm. um, really, uh, ACDAC has a long history of being ahead of the curve in terms of implementing programs. And, and they jumped right on board and said, hey, we have someone already that's capable of doing this, who's had some training doing this, and we'd love to partner with the pediatric office. The second reason we did it is because of the longstanding relationship that CCP has with Children's Hospital and Western Psych, and frankly me, because um, I've been coming here for a long time. And yeah. Myself, I'm from a very small area, and I think there's you, you deserve as much help as Allegheny County for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and it's, I mean, you know, the numbers as well as anyone, I'm sure, uh, you know, Armstrong County over the last maybe 10 years or so has been very high as far as opioid deaths and those kinds of things. I'm, I'm assuming that's what made it attractive to drug and alcohol commission, but I don't know. And your guys is like, how did you guys get involved initially? Well, I can't really speak to it because I wasn't in that decision-making process, but I will say that um, our executive director decided to partner with CCP and UPMC with this program because they use evidence-based practices. They have been implementing the program for a while, and it it, it, it's a need that our community needs. Yeah. You know, and if it's it's the need that we need. Yeah. You know. I I remember, like, I'm thinking back to when I was in grade school. Okay, it was it was dare was like the mm-hmm. the big driving push. Um, is is smart choices just another iteration of that, or is there something that makes smart choices different from other programs that have been tried in the past? Thanks for asking that question. I'm going to answer, and then I'm going to hand off to Alex, who sure. can really talk about what he does, and he's very understated about his skill set. So, um, this is not dare. Okay. <laughs> I experienced dare too. In fact, the evidence suggests just what we all knew as teenagers: it didn't work very well. Right. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, fear tactics don't really work. Right? Yeah. Um, because teens are like 
especially the ones likely to get in trouble, they're like, I can do it better. Yeah. Right. right. So this is really about engaging with the kid or engaging with the parents. So we have parent support, kid support too, but we're going to talk predominantly about parent support to help them help their kids. Because what happens is parents get lots of advice as their kids start to struggle with substance. And a lot of it's not evidence-based. Um, everything from I'm praying for you, which is great. I, I, I'm religious. I believe in prayer. Um, but God gave us evidence-based to help us move things forward. Um, and, and so this is a way for someone who's not a clinician, who's not a doctor, who's not a nurse or a therapist, who's had some lived experience to partner with a parent and say, hey, there's ways to handle this. We're going to walk through this path with you. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about, Alex, about what you do with parents. And Absolutely. I'd be happy to. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit. I'm going to speak about the Certified Family Recovery um, Specialist Certification, which is new. It's a new certification uh, with the Pennsylvania Certification Board. Uh, I want to say within the past four years, it's it's come about. Um, so there's a training process, you know, and we, we learn evidence-based techniques. We learn um, how to, you know, provide peer support to the family members, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's an important piece of this because lived experience um, holds some weight. You know, whenever I went to treatment for the first time, I related with, the, the, the counselors or the techs who had been through similar situations that I had been through. Yeah. You know, I, I felt a connection there. And I, I felt like a, a trust. There was a trust that was built, right? And respect, so, right? And respect, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, so what I do is I work with the family members, whether or not the, chil- the child or adolescent is involved in the program or not. Um, and I, I model certain behaviors, mm-hmm. right? Um, I help them figure out, you know, develop a recovery plan, you know, and, and I think it's important. Uh, the important piece of the, the, the peer support is that it's not about the adolescent. Mm-hmm. It's about the family member. So like my sole job is to help the, the parent, you know, develop their, you know, grow on, you know, grow in their recovery. Right. Yeah. So, you know, if I am my best self, I am able to help my daughter mm. the best way she can. You know, mm-hmm. if I'm my best self, you know, or if they, you know, um, so I help them work on self-care. Yeah. You know, I talk about self-care. And believe me, like, whenever, whenever an adolescent is struggling, self-care is the last thing anybody wants to hear about or think about. Mm-hmm. Because as a parent, we go into uh, fight or flight mode. You know, we panic. We tense up. You know, so... You know, I'm a, I'm, my role is I'm a, I'm an understanding ear, you know, and it's important too to have somebody to, to just to talk to. Yeah. Uh, but I also, you know, let people know that there's a, there's hope, there's a solution, and, um, you know, I provide them with some, some means or some direction. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talked very similarly in the, in the church too. You know, you think about uh, kids. We have kids in Sunday school for a half an hour a week. And then they're with their parents for hundreds of hours every week. Mm-hmm. And so if, if what's being told there isn't reinforced at home, um, then it's never going to sink in. And it's the same with school. We see it in school-related issues. You know, if the parents aren't involved with homework, like I know the statistics are that the homework just doesn't really get done. And so like what you're saying, if the parents are in fight-or-flight mode, you have to get them back down to a, a place where they can begin to think logically and walk through again with their child in order to move forward. So I, I, mean, I love that approach and yes 
completely different than what dare was for us. <laughs> it was just, There's no fear involved. Just trying to scare the crap out of you. And then just <laughs> and bring a dog. Didn't they bring yeah. dogs sometimes? Too? Yeah. Yeah, I think there was a dog involved. I'm so glad you brought up self-care. I mean, I think that people say, yeah, yeah, self-care. But it's so hard to take care of yourself these yeah. days. Um, and when you're, it's hard to model that for your kids. And like you said, if you're not taking care of yourself, you're sort of... You get amped up, you get amped up, and it's hard to keep yourself in that place where you can communicate with your kid. And we've all been there, right? Where yeah. either with our parents or our kids, we've been yelling instead of communicating. It's yep. just so easy to go there. So I really see the parent support as a coach, um, just like you'd have a coach if you wanted to le- learn to play a sport, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to help you sort of figure out where your best place is with your with your kid, because it's not easy. Yeah, no, not at all. And I think our, our culture kind of has this mentality where the Parents are supposed to completely lay down their life for their children. And it is true to a certain extent. You know, we have that. We would give our lives for our kids. But sometimes the best way to do that is to take care of yourself first so you're able to actually help them. Absolutely. You know, so I, I, w- I do want to touch on a couple things. Sure. You know, so self-care is the foundation, you know, because we got to get ourselves right you know, in a good frame of mind before we can start implementing some of the other strategies that we work on, such as boundaries, such as setting limits, Mm -hmm. um, such as um, consequences, allowing for natural consequences, you know, that is, it's huge with, with, um, with assisting our adolescents, with guiding them, you know, towards the path of recovery. Yeah. You know, and so these are just a few of the things that, that sometimes I feel like in society, society tells us one one of two things. You know, you gotta you gotta set all the boundaries. You know, you have to you have to kind of drop the hammer, if you will, right, and um, take everything. You know, lock them in a room. You know, and then mm-hmm. on the other hand, there's 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 um, I've found parents who don't have many boundaries, right, yeah. and um, very permissive, right. Yeah, and so the I think. Part of the coaching, if you will, the, the peer support with this program is some of it's just instruction, you know, you know, letting people know that they know this is a practice that is evidence based. You know, this this is proven to show positive results with yeah. your loved ones, because I know I know for me, you know, whenever I was first getting into this whole thing, like I wasn't aware of some of this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I really wasn't. You know, I was from a household where, you know. I, I came from a very strict household, right? And um, there were many limits set on me. Mm-hmm. And um, I rebelled. Yeah. You know, so that, you know, we're, we're um, we know what we know based on how we were raised. Yeah. And I think that the more information we have, uh, the better off we are to, to help our kids. Good stuff. Um, so let's, let's say we walk through this program. They, maybe identify early on that there's an intervention that needs to happen. They get referred to you. They begin walking through this program. What are the measurables that you guys are working towards? Like what's your desired outcome with every family? Like how, how are we, how are we going to measure success? How are we going to know whether smart choices 10 years from now was something good for the County? Well, so in multiple ways, well, first of all, we know that parent support and care coordinations connected to primary care can be effective. So we're using something that already has some data, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it hasn't really been implemented in pediatric primary care this way. So we are, um, as part of our program, collecting some information from people 
uh, related to, for the parents, how they're doing, what services they're using. Are the services effective? Are they feeling helpless or empowered, right? Because at the end of the day, we want every parent who participates in this to leave feeling a little more empowered than when they came in. Absolutely. Right? Mm -hmm. And so we also collect that about the kids that participate too, if they participate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so one of my goals would be that we get kids in the program if they start with just a parent, right? And that they leave feeling a little bit more empowered and using less substances. Mm -hmm. So um, people often think about opioids when we talk about this, but we actually talk about the whole gamut from vaping, um, which uh, is a very important thing that's been going on in the last year and frankly has killed some people too. So. Yeah. Uh, we've shown some good uh, uh, interventions, helping kids quit vaping, um, helping kids withdraw, because it is like cigarettes that you, you withdraw. Yep. Um, Been there. Drinking, yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, with drinking and with opioids. So, you know, I would hope that 10 years from now, um, people would come to their pediatrician and it would be very clear, I can talk to my pediatrician about this. They have, just as like if you came... I used to say cold, but I can't really say cold anymore because that's a little more complicated than yeah. it used to be. <laughs> yeah. um, just like if you came with any other question, say with your baby, you go and you say, can you help me with some just suggestions about how to eat, right? That the pediatrician would take that on, say, okay, here are the services we can give you, mm -hmm. and I know they work. Yeah, that's good. So, um, so we're just really, you're trying to build a system here for the long term that's not just going to, you know, be a... Uh, eight weeks at the school and then we're out. This is something that's hopefully going to last for uh, generations and only improve as the data continues to improve. Is that, is that fair to say? That's definitely fair to say. And yeah. I think the more we empower both families and pediatricians to work together, I've just seen that be beneficial over and over again. Because a primary care doctor is really the first person. It's not just pediatricians, family practice doctors too. It's the first person families go to with questions. Mm. They trust them a heck of a lot more than me as a psychiatrist or anybody else. Yeah. Um, and I really, we really want them to continue to go to them through the adolescent years because there are so many choices that families make with adolescents that really a slight choice can change their trajectory a lot. So yeah, this is something we're in for the long haul um, and really want to continue to provide this on every level. Very good. Um, I did just have a follow-up question. When you're talking about there was some data and like this has been done before and those kinds of things, is there any specific thing in, like say, Western Pennsylvania, I know you've been working in, is there any success stories already that you guys have to point to where you can say, hey, you know, in this area we saw this metric change or is this, is this still very, very new? So it's new. We're at the point where we don't have like a research study published and this really is a clinical intervention. Like we're coming from the ground up. But mm -hmm. we have had some patients. We actually uh, officially started during COVID. Okay. So that was exciting. But we've had some patients we've seen already, um, some of whom, by being connected to primary care, they were able to not fall out of care, stay in, and stay sober from whatever it was they were using. So um, it's really about keeping families connected so they don't feel like they're walking the path alone. Yeah. Which, in my experience, most people with substance, when their kids start using, it's a very lonely path. Yeah. And it's hard to take care of yourself when you're alone. Absolutely. And yeah, there's a lot of societal shame and guilt and those kinds of things that play into it. And if we can, I've always said, the more of these conversations that we can have, the more we can kind of take away that stigma. Um, that is like, the I think the most important first step that we could take is like, don't be afraid to talk about this stuff. Don't be afraid to go and get help if you need help. Don't be like, we have to get over that mental hurdle first and and there's still a lot of blame in our culture. We just need to be quite honest about it. If a kid starts using, there's still a lot of blame. Yeah. 
right? And we need to call it out. We need to recognize it in ourselves, and we need to say, okay, what is it we can do to help this family? Right. You, I think you asked us before we did this, you know, how do we, what are the next steps? What can the community do? Mm-hmm. And I think it really is start opening your eyes to what's going on around you because we see things every day that you choose not to pay attention to um, or that you maybe could throw your hand out and say, hey, you know, why don't you go talk to your pediatrician about this? Right. So um, it's really us all opening your eyes to the things we see every day here. That's everywhere. Good. Really good, really good. Um, I just have one, the last question here. What's the potential impact of smart choices in Armstrong County? I mean, what do you what are you seeing as like if in in a perfect world, what's it going to look like several years from now? What how is smart choices going to be impacting Catanning in the surrounding area? Well, I feel that. It is going to, obviously, it's going to have a very positive impact on the county. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the more people, the more families we can get engaged in services, um, you know, the more that they'll, they'll, obviously, they will, you know, grow or start implementing some of these, some of these techniques. And ideally, some of these early inter- interventions will, you know, change, you know, the whole trajectory of a child's life. Yeah. Right. And I mean, I can speak about my own substance use, right? Yeah, I started using at a very early age, um, you know, 13. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if something, if there was a program like this, you know, I can't say for, for a fact that it would save my life, but it probably would have, um, you know, changed the trajectory a little bit. Right. You know? Um, and so, yes, I think that that's, that's the potential that this has. And the more, the more families that we engage in Armstrong County... The, the more positive data we'll get from it. But also, word of mouth, mm-hmm. you know, is, is huge. You know, if, if I see Johnny over there, and Johnny used to be struggling, but Johnny's, like, turned a, turned a new leaf, and he's doing, he's doing better. And, like, sat, my girl Sally, she's, she's still kind of struggling, and I don't know what to do. So I'm going to talk to Johnny's dad and say, hey, what you, you know, what, what happened? You know, yeah. Why is Johnny doing so well? Like, yeah. You know, and... Oh, well, smart choices. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'd really see two big things I'd like to see is one, less people's lives ended earlier due to substance. Right. Period. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we should see that if we're really effective because we know every year we can delay substance use in a child, the better their life will be, the more likely they are to have a life not negatively impacted by substance. But then I'd also like to see families whose lives aren't cut short either sort of physically cut short. We know people get depressed and suicidal when their families are struggling with substance or just psychologically cut short, sort of stuck in the uh, lonely, repetitive world of trying to figure out what to do with substance without help. So I'd like to see more people alive and more people living better lives. I think that that's really, it's a high goal. But yeah. You gotta start somewhere. Well, that's, I think that's the only, that's the only goal that makes any sense, right? I mean, we, we have to try to get that the number of uh, lives that are lost too early that the only acceptable number is zero. And so, I mean, that's what you guys are driving towards. I mean, that's why your job exists. I I keep looking at um, drug and alcohol commission. Every time I've talked to people from your place, I always say, I'm looking forward to the day where you don't have a job anymore. Like that's the goal, right? (laughs) You have one of those jobs where if you're successful uh, in everything that you're setting out to do, you you'll, you'll work yourself out of a job, which would be amazing. And then I look at our area, and there's so many families that are caught up in these kind of generational issues. And you see, you see it pass from one generation to the next and to the next. And 
And if you can help that kid and change that kid's life, now you've changed not maybe not just their life, but now brothers and sisters, hopefully parents, you helped through the process. And now you're talking their kids and grandkids are going to have a different life because of what you guys are doing. And so it's exciting. It's really exciting. Um, and, to, and to hear you say, too, this just started within the last few months and you're already seeing first fruits. I mean, that's amazing. So how, what can people do? Um, how, can, how can we partner with you as a community? Uh, what should we be doing to try to drive smart choices forward? Well, I think talking about it. That's a, that's a really good start. It's okay. just having that conversation, you know, and, and also just talking with your kids, mm-hmm. you know, because having that conversation with your adolescent, as uncomfortable as it may, as it may feel, um, it's important to ask the right questions, mm-hmm. you know, and we have, um, we have some really great family um, uh, series on UPMC that Shannon and Callan have, uh, have facilitated, and they're awesome. They're really, really informative. Um, I don't have the address off the top of my head, but they're available. Um, they're recorded sessions, um, and it's a series. So it talks about different things like self-care, boundaries, um, you know, nat- allowing for natural consequences. Uh, so it's a, it's a lot. It's a wealth of knowledge um, that I think would benefit anybody, any parent who has some questions, any parent who, you know, there may be a concern or. You know, I don't know if, um, you know, the kids, you know, is this something I should be worried about? Is it not? I don't know. You know, you know, do some research, you know, watch the video. Yeah. Um, Okay. So I think those are those are some good questions to be asking. Absolutely. Thanks for bringing up that series. Yeah. So that really is the core of some of the skills that Alex works on with people. We figured it would be a taste for people to get an idea. Well, what is what are these skills things? Obviously, like watching a video isn't going to coach you in how to do it. It's just the beginning of sort of seeing what they are and then really having a coach help you through it. So I think um, getting online, looking at what we have related to that would be really helpful. Um, If you see a family that's struggling, that's close to you or that you feel comfortable, say to them, hey, why don't you go talk to your pediatrician Mm -hmm. about that? You know, I think we know that most kids with, with substance use also have some sort of behavioral health concern that they're working on. And CCP has a great behavioral health program that will address both um, and start sort of teasing out what are the things we need to work on. So it's not like a one or one thing or the other. It's not black or white. Oftentimes it's how do we help the family? How do we help the behavioral health component? And how do we really help these families keep their kids, frankly, away from substance, right? Um, I have to say another, you know, you brought up dare, so I'm going to bring up another thing. Sure. Just say no. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just say no had a lot of problems, but we remember it. Mm-hmm. Right. And dare, I don't remember like what their point was other than they had that big dog and they scared me. <laughs> um, but just say no. Actually, there was a benefit to it. Right. Because people talked about that. You should slow down, that you should every day that you don't use as a, as a teenager will improve your life outcome. Right. So um, so those sort of things that incre- increase talking about substance. Um, and I guess another very simple thing people can do is we do know that um, like using with your child there's no benefit to that. That may sound obvious, but I don't think it is, right? Because you all hear about like um, France and how people drink with their kids and they're all fine. Right. Um, actually, that's not what the data from France shows. Right. Uh, it shows that having an open communication with your kid about substances is important. But using with your child, everything down to vaping or smoking is not going to have a positive outcome. So yeah. very simple thing, but important thing. 
Yeah. And I would say, you know, this conversation that we're having right now is just obviously it's just laying the groundwork for, for something larger. But if you guys are watching this um, and you're and you can, you know, share it with with the people in the community, uh, it's not just people that are dealing directly with this that need to have this information. Like, I think we all need to have this information so that when we see something ha happening, then we we know we have some resource behind it to be able to to point people in the right direction instead of, like you said, just brushing them off or giving them some tidbit from my grandma or telling them to drop the hammer, whatever. Like, let's Wait get till them. they hit rock bottom. That's yeah. another thing we don't right. like to hear because yeah. there's no benefit for adolescents to hit rock bottom. Like, no yeah. one wants their child to do that. <laughs> That's right. not what we're about. And so share it, get the information out there, have your eyes open in the community to, to, th to needs that are there and, and engage with it. Like, let's not be afraid to have these conversations anymore. Let's, Let's try to start to break down these walls so that we can walk forward together. Um, is there anything else you guys want to add before we wrap it up? No, I think we hit on a lot okay. of the things. I want to thank you so much. Like my experience with Contanning in Armstrong County has always been that this is a tight-knit community, that everybody knows what's going on with everyone to some extent, right? That's sure. why it's always been sort of a cool place to practice for me because I get all this information about the family every time I see someone, which is exciting. But it also means you all know things about each other that you can use to help each other. Absolutely. And that's a choice. That's a hard choice. Um, but that we really should be, like you said, opening our eyes and thinking, well, how can we help each other as a community? Because that's how we get to the other side of the opioid epidemic, whatever it is. Yeah. Well, great. Uh, I would just really appreciate both of you taking the time to be here. And um, hopefully we can get this out to as many people as possible. And I will be... Um, I will be looking forward to seeing updates as you guys move forward in the coming years of the, the great news and the good stories that are going to come out of the, the work that you're doing. So once again, appreciate it. Thank you guys for joining us. And uh, as always, see you in the next one.